mind hip talking chimpanzees, Parker quarterbacks, Matt Blitzowders in a bees, Bobby roaring fast. You and me, we're here for this to catch the latest show. Kingdom Five, them super flex. Come on in, let's go. Hey y'all, prepare yourself for the super flex pod. Welcome back to another episode of Superflex. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing good, Bobby. Excited to talk to an old friend I have not seen in a while today. We're just going to jump right into it instead of our usual beating around the bush at the beginning (laughs) of the episode. So our guest today is George Kritikos. He is a current 4 for 4 writer, former DLF, former PFF. And he also used to host the DLF podcast and edit, I just learned. So welcome to the pod, George, and we're glad to have you. Don't worry, we won't make you edit as we specified before the pod that our job <laughs> is already spoken for by Rush Fisher. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like like he's being compensated quite well, and I don't want to take that away from him. So uh, <laughs> I'm certainly happy to stay as, as a single act, uh, just, you know, guess is good enough for me. Yeah, and we really appreciate you being on. This is actually my first time podcasting with you, even though I've talked to you for what feels like a few years now. So <laughs> always enjoyable to get to podcast with someone for the first time. And even though we're going to be talking about some not so enjoyable topics, at least for me tonight, and by that I mean specifically, and I'm just going to lead right into it, Drew Locke, uh, if you follow me at all on Twitter or listen to me on podcasts, I think I've become like the president of the anti-Drew Block fan club. I don't really know how exactly it happened. I just talked about it a lot. But those are that's one of the quarterbacks we're going to talk about tonight. We're also going to talk about Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. A lot of polarizing guys. And why don't we just get right into it and start talking about Drew Locke? So you guys already know how I feel. Let's start off with George. And George, what's your take on Locke and I do want to begin just by saying that last year, uh, Stompy, I think it's FF Stompy Bear on Twitter now, he recently changed it, hyped up Lamar Jackson, and then Lamar Jackson broke out. So now everyone thinks he's the quarterback whisperer, and he is hyping up Drew Locke. But I'm just putting this out there, and Stompy can feel free to come at me later. Stompy is a Broncos fan, so I feel like there is some bias going into this Drew Locke call. But I've said enough, George, give us your take on Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's interesting because, you know, those like second year breakouts for quarterbacks is becoming more and more common with, you know, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And, you know, then we guessed for some other ones that we got maybe a little bit more wrong, like Mitch Trubisky, we thought maybe would be a second year breakout as they, you know, kind of retooled the offense. And, and it seemed like like he was set up for success. And I feel like that's where Drew Locke kind of falls for me a little bit is like, I really like the surrounding weapons. I really think that they are investing into the offense, but I don't feel like they're investing into him per se. Like that sounds a little weird, but I just don't think that's where they're necessarily investing. I think they want to make it so that the quarterback positions maybe a little more fungible for them, just in case he doesn't work out that they can bring someone else in and potentially they could walk into the success that he 
is supposed to have. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit skeptical. I think I have him as my QB 19 right now in, uh, dynasty. And that feels about right. I mean, you kind of get into that muddy area and, and you guys know, you know, where you start getting into like the veterans that you're not sure when they're going to retire, the young guys who haven't really had a starting shot or in the case of some just haven't had the weapons that Locke's about to have. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one with him. I can't, I can't buy aggressively, but I also don't think his price is so expensive yet that you really have to pay up the way I think you did with Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson before they really took off. And Matt, do you agree, disagree? What's your take on Locke? Yeah, and and good job, Stompy, predicting Lamar Jackson. But I think I think pretty much everybody had that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just think that was such an easy one. Drew Locke, if you're right about that one, we'll start maybe give you a give you the the, the whisperer handle. But um, yeah, I feel similarly with George. I actually have him exactly the same spot at quarterback 19 in the same tier with uh, some vets and then some uncertainty with uh, you know the vets with Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I still have Cam Newton up that high that, that you know, if he doesn't sign, that's probably going to be moving down. But then also it's in that same tier, another guy we're going to talk about tonight uh, in the rookie, Justin Herbert. So uh, I think I think the Broncos have given him every excuse to not fail. And if he still fails with with this loaded offense that's around him, then, you know, I think he's going to sink even lower and, and probably, you know, fade into the background as the Broncos decide to look to the to the future. I don't know if he has he doesn't feel like a quarterback that has much more than a than a one year lease, you know, kind of leash on him. Like if he fails this year, I think, you know, he's going to be in the conversation to be replaced. Maybe they give him another half a season. They bring in a rookie or or, or somebody uh, they draft highly to, to compete with him. And, you know, they give him like the starter and name in, in 2021. Uh, but it's it's just rough. You know, but on the other hand, there is a lot of growth there, you know, all the way down in the, in the high teens. You know, if he does succeed, you know, a young guy, 23 years old, I believe, is you know, he's going to jump up into that top 10 to 12 discussion. Absolutely. So he's a very kind of volatile asset, I would say. And we're going to know pretty quick you know, in the first half of the 2020 season while we have in him. So it just depends on, you know, if, if you think he's going to succeed with the weapons or if you just think the talent is not good enough, whether you're by a sell, because he's a, he is a good candidate either direction right now, somebody that I think that there's going to be somebody in your league that's going to want to buy him. And if you're, you know, on the fence, then you can get good value for him. I think he's a fine sell at this point too. Yeah, I mean, no. sorry, I, I jump in. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't no, mean, cut you off. Yeah, I mean, you think about his five starts he had last year. He had two of the five uh, were above 200 yards passing. I feel like that's a pretty low threshold and he still couldn't reach it three of the five times. You know, he uh, only scored more than 13 fantasy points once in five starts. And that wasn't a bad offense last year. Good enough that he should have been, you know, at least, you know, potentially playable in some of those games. And he wasn't necessarily playing, uh, you know, just a killer load of defenses. He had to play Kansas city. You know, he played uh, the Raiders in week 17. They weren't exactly playing for anything, but, you know, it, it still was kind of a disappointment. And I know that, you know, fans going to get a little better as, as tight ends tend to develop a little longer. He gets Melvin Gordon there, but that's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, and obviously getting Jerry Judy helps too. And I guess KJ Hamler as well, if, if we want to talk about that. Um, so, so, I mean, the depth's there. And again, the talent's there. I just, you know, there wasn't enough flashing for me and he doesn't have the floor that a Lamar Jackson has as a runner to where I'm, super excited. Like I'd be happy to grab him as a low end backup in either a dynasty league, uh, you know, or maybe even like that, that kind of like grab kind of two quarterbacks as your second option. in like a super flex league where you can, uh, you know, play the matchups a little bit more, 
but I, I just wouldn't feel excited knowing that like he was a, a locked in starter for me every week <laughs> in any kind of league whatsoever. Yeah, George just basically did my job for me. It's weird to hear reasonable <laughs> takes on Drew Locke because I've been just rallying against so long. And I'm not even kidding you guys. I've heard people already saying, well, shouldn't he already be in the top 12? And it's like, where are you getting this from? I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of my Drew Locke anti-hype started before the draft, and I agree. They drafted a ton of players to surround him with weapons, so he's certainly in a position to succeed. But he was, by at least all statistical measures, terrible in his starts last year, at least for fantasy purposes. Uh, You know, I have said before, I think he could be a game manager, which is fine for a real NFL quarterback. But for fantasy, it's just not what you're looking for. And it also just goes back to his college days. I'm just not a big believer in his talent. So I think that's why I'm a little bit lower than everybody else. But just to hear some people talking about him as if he already belongs in that upper echelon just really goes to show the fact that people really do buy this whole stompy quarterback narrative. (laughs) I mean, stompy, good for you, man, because if you can take Drew Locke and make at least a good amount of the fantasy football community believe he belongs already there, you have a huge sway. And that's even after you've worn a singlet, not once, but twice. So I don't know what else to say except kudos to Stompy, and I'm still not a huge believer in Drew Locke. I mean, the one the one thing I will say that, um, you know, is, is, a, is a relatively fair argument is after I'd say about the top six dynasty quarterbacks, if you think of some order of Mahomes, Jackson, Prescott, Watson, Murray, and Wilson, right? I think we can all agree they belong somewhere near the top, right? In whatever order you want to put them in. After that, I feel like you could make an argument for a lot of different guys to move around. That said, I don't feel like Drew Locke's in that argument, right? There's there's probably 10 names you could put, you know, in that next, like, five or six spots. I still don't feel like Locke's one of them. Yeah. I'd even say, like, 10 spots, like the next 10 to 15 spots. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, I wrote an article for DLF, and this wasn't to make the case that one belongs over the other, but it was to make the case they should be closer together. And it's a guy that I've become known for talking about, one, because I looked like him in November, and two, just because I seem to be one of his only fans. But it was basically, people always say that Gardner Minshew was only mania and he wasn't actually that good. And Drew Locke is apparently a lock for being this quarterback one type in Dynasty. So I wrote an article about it. And for fantasy purposes, and basically from all statistical measures, Gardner Minshew was a much better starter in his rookie season than Drew Locke was. And yet, for whatever reason, they were like four or five, maybe even six rounds apart in Superflex ADP. I don't know if that's since changed. but I will take Minshew every time over Locke because he's actually shown me a little bit more. And I think what George said earlier was true, that they both kind of have tenuous holds on their jobs right now. And so all things equal, I'll take the guy who's already shown it a little bit. Well, and, I, and I'd argue he has more rushing upside than than Locke has, uh, you know, so that that much is helpful. I think he averaged like 10 or 15 more yards rushing per game than, than what Locke did last year. And, and granted, Locke's was abbreviated, but I think we can agree he's not fleet of foot. And, you know, I mean, he was pretty consistently like a, you know, 200 to 250 yards, like, you know, a couple touchdown type guy, Minshew, that is. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you know that where the ceiling is, but I think I would feel safer with his floor. And I think it'd be a fair argument to say in 2020, who's, who's going to score more fantasy points. I think that's a push. 
Yeah. The one thing that I've heard Locke uh, truthers defend him with is he was coming off a wrist injury. And so there is some idea that the Broncos tried to ease him into game action, and that's why his numbers were so bad. I mean, I can understand coming off injury and maybe not playing as well, but I don't know. It's even before that, If, as I said, if you just watch some of his college game film, there's just not a lot there, at least for me. And I've tried to get other people to explain what they see. And a lot of it, I'm not trying to be that guy, but a lot of it does come back to he won games and he raps. Like when people talk about Minshew being mania, it's literally like, oh yeah, Drew Locke can rap and he won games in the NFL last year. I think what it is is everyone wants to write an article that says something like he's a lock for a QB one finish or, you know, it's much easier to come up with like a, a really catchy fantasy football article title, you know, other than maybe like Gardner Winshoe or something. So I think there's just like a little bit of like uh, what's it called? Like search engine optimization with Drew Locke and, and like coming up with catchy fantasy football titles. I do feel a little attacked right now, George, just because my <laughs> article title was Drew Locke's Lock Status versus uh, Gardner Minshew's Mania. So there you go. Exactly what we were uh, just yeah. talking about. Do you so have right uh, final thoughts on Locke before we move on to our next guy? No. Oh, it's quiet. It's no, quiet. That's it. it's quiet. Let me, let me, <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask the final question? Yeah, go for uh, it. Okay. So, so where do we see lock finishing in terms of like his actual fantasy finish among quarterbacks this year? I'll say like 16 to 20. Okay. Oh, I'm definitely going to be biased on this answer. I'm going to say like QB 24 at best. Yeah. See, I was right around the, I was right around 20. So I'm like kind of splitting the difference between you two, but I feel like that's like right where I feel like he's going to end up. And like, yes, there's, there's opportunity for it to go higher, but it's also like a ton of opportunity for him to throw like 20 interceptions and get benched halfway through the season. And honestly, I'm hedging a little bit because I think it's either going to be, you know, closer to what Bobby said or even worse. Or if, if it's not that, then it's going to be, you know, like in the 12 to 15 range. I think he has, I don't think he has much of a middle middle of the road outcome. Yeah. I got told That's by fair. someone that the Broncos, someone very prominent, I won't name them because they already came at me on Twitter for this, but uh, <laughs> that the Broncos will not definitively sign Cam Newton. I still think that the Broncos should sign Cam Newton because at the very least he provides an option. If Drew Locke is not what they think he is, I realize it might create a quarterback room controversy, but if Newton's willing to take a deal to go there, I see absolutely no reason that they shouldn't have him as an emergency option. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's like 10 teams right now that just, you know, he's probably just waiting on an injury at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But we're going to move on to our next guy. And our next guy is another one who you can find a lot of people who still believe in a lot of people who after his last season jumped off the bandwagon and that's Baker Mayfield and, it's interesting. We're talking about a lot of quarterbacks right now who either can rap or can dance really well, if you've seen those videos of Baker. So I'm curious what you guys think about Baker before I get into my thoughts. And this time we'll start with Matt. So Matt, give some of your thoughts about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think he's probably valued pretty close to to, to perfect right now. He's, I currently have him as the quarterback 11 in terms of ADP. He is uh, going off a of quarterback nine. So I, I think that's fair. You know, we saw a number of analysts 
you know, after the Odell Beckham trade last year, move him up to quarterback one, you know, anywhere from one to five. So he was in that, that range. We, we made a similar th- uh, goal or similar mistake, I think, with, with Carson Wentz after his, you know, near MVP season, um, several years ago. So I think he's kind of in that, you know, that, 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 that same, same kind of area, I think. So he's another one that I think is either going to drop or, or, or rise quite a bit. Uh, I'm confident. I think we put so much hype on that offense last off season that there was no way they could really live up to that hype. So, uh, you know, another year, another year away. I know it's another new offensive system. I think it's a little bit more quarterback friendly system. You know, that they're presumably going to lean on the run. At least that's what we've, we've known from Stefanski's history. You know, give Baker a little bit more. Uh, uh, easy opportunities for throws and he's, the weapons there are still incredible, you know, still have Jarvis Landry, still have Odell Beckham, you know, the, the two tight ends now, uh, the two running backs. So I think he's in a good situation just like Locke is, but I think their, their, their offense is a little bit ahead just because of the experience that they have, uh, and Baker's, you know, experience too. And then compared, just comparing him to Locke, you know, he's got the draft capital of being number one overall. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about him going anywhere in dynasty. So I think right around that fringe top 10 is, is, it's pretty much just spot on for him. Uh, and, you know, as a value play in a, in a super flex league, uh, as your, as your, as your quarterback one, if you're going to, uh, you know, form a committee or something with the, with those second two spots, with the second and third spot, I think Baker fits right into that kind of strategy as that back end top 10 guy. George, what do you think? Uh, that was, that was beautifully said, Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what he said. You know, I have him as my QB nine. I, I mentioned before, I think that there's kind of a big mess of quarterbacks and you could argue them you know, five spots lower. And, and, and honestly, I wouldn't have much objection to it because I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that, um, you know, have their questions and, and Baker's included in that. And I think, uh, you know, obviously the great rookie season helps him versus Lock doesn't have that pedigree of, of actually producing to this point. Uh, you know, to be fair, he didn't have much time to do it. But, um, you know, so Baker, I think, has a little bit more of a leash for that reason, too, in addition to the draft capital. And the second half of the season, he did look better. He was QB 11 in the last eight games of the season. So, you know, there was some sign of a turnaround, even though the interceptions were still there and that was problematic. But he was throwing more touchdowns. You know, he was consistently, uh, you know, making much better plays than he did the first half of the year, especially before that bye week and week uh, seven, I think it was, where, you know, he just looked horrendous like the first month and a half of the season. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, focusing on the offensive line in the draft was a smart move getting, I think it was, was it Mekhi Becton? I think they ended up with, um, you know, as, as, as their guy, I think that's going to help him huge. You know, the offensive line was clearly an issue. I think having Kareem Hunt for a full season is going to help and, uh, you know, getting Austin Hooper there is going to help. And, you know, so all those things are good. Uh, you know, it's just really going to come down to, is he going to uh, kind of rein in, you know, those, those bad decisions he was making. And part of that due to that offensive line part, of it, I think he was just pushing it. And, you know, when he wasn't having success early, it seemed like, you know, young person machismo kicked in as we all had at age like 23 and, you know, really was just trying to power through everything. Uh, so yeah, I, I do like him. And I think I'm spot on with, with Matt, as far as I think he's a good low end QB one in a super flex league and, and perfectly paired with like a couple of upside guys and really just, you know, see what turns out from it. You know, if we honestly, if you paired all three guys that we're going to talk about today on your, your super flex, you know, rosters, your three quarterbacks, I, I mean, I'd be feeling pretty good going into the season, knowing that two of them are likely going to shake out and look pretty good. And the other one's Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, then, and then you have a trade chip for, for Stompy in your league. Yeah. Um, in terms of Baker, 
So I'm with you guys. It just also kind of feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but every offseason we're like, all right, the Browns have made the perfect moves to finally be in position to be successful this year. And I do think that I believe in what the Browns have done this offseason, but there is that hesitancy of just believing it the past few seasons. Um, I did actually buy Baker this offseason and is in an auction rookie league, but I sent $400, which is like the equivalent of about the 102. But just to give our listeners and you guys an idea, Kyler Murray went for about $600 last uh, season in the rookie auction. So to get Baker for $200 cheaper than Kyler went as a rookie felt pretty good. I'm pretty confident that he's going to be maybe a back-end QB1 or at least high upside QB2 type for this season and hopefully going forward. So I'm definitely with pretty much everything you guys said, and I certainly would still have him uh, much higher than Drew Locke, for example. Although I was interested to see that Baker was something like QB 29 or QB 30 in fantasy points per game. It's not where he finished, but his PPG was not great at all last season. And that was kind of interesting to see because I thought he did at least slightly better than that. Yeah, it's, it, you know, that, that first half kind of killed him more than anything, but I, I was going to ask a question. So you, you mentioned the rookie cash trade and, and, you know, if you say it's like the one Oh two, right. And let's assume this is a super flex league, that'd be the kind of like burrow to a kind of area. So, I mean, how are we comparing Mayfield to burrow and to in terms of who we want on our roster? I, I was actually going to ask the same question because I made a similar, oh, similar deal in, in pigs three, where I sent about 400 ish in cash and the, that's a bankroll league. So the cash values are all over the place. But again, to give you an example, Burrow, Burrow, I think went in the like $600 range, $600, $700 range. So like at that kind of discount, I think I would rather have Baker and my, in my rankings, I do have both of the rookies just a couple of spots ahead of Baker. But if you're going to get that kind of, uh, you know, cost difference between the two. I think I would happily take Baker if I can get him for, you know, a, a half to two thirds of the cost of one of those two rookies. Yeah. Matt summed it up perfectly, which is basically what I was going to say too. Um, in that league, I had the second most rookie money. At one point I had the most, but I made a bunch of trades to get pieces. I liked a lot. I had the second most and I just didn't really, maybe I'm a chicken, but I didn't feel like getting in a quarterback fight. So I decided to make a trade for a quarterback instead of having to fight this other guy who had a lot of money for them. I still plan to bid him up just so that in case I can win them cheap. But it was one of those things where it was like, you know, if they're going to go to $600, which I think they might, I'm happy to get Baker at 400 at what I consider to be a discount. Right. Yeah. And it's a sure thing, right? Because to your point, you don't know what those prices will end up being versus, you know, Baker's going to cost you that much money. Um, but yeah, I have, I have two and Burrow like right there with Baker all kind of clustered together, you yeah. know, and, and then we can get into like roster construction, all that fun stuff, but you know, not today. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I will say I don't actually do, I do my own personal rankings. I don't do rankings for a site anymore, but I haven't updated them in a bit, but I probably would have them in the same tier. I'm, I think I've talked about this with Matt before. I'm a huge Tua fan. Uh, back when the Giants didn't quite have their franchise quarterback yet, which I think they do now, I spent pretty much all my time watching college quarterbacks, trying to think, like, who's going to replace Eli. So I was watching Tua as a freshman, and I went, man, this guy is the guy that I want. And the fact that the Giants, don't get me wrong, I was happy that they got Daniel Jones, but the fact that they were actually in position to draft Tua 
and didn't draft to us still broke my heart just a little bit. It was so many years ago where it's just like, yes, all right, this guy, one day he will be on our team. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's interesting to compare the three because you think about the teams, like the NFL teams and the situations they're in, and it's all very different too. And that obviously comes into play when you think about your, your, your rankings with these quarterbacks and like, you know, who has like the better supporting cast, who has kind of the, the better, you know, outlook, you know, two or three years down the line with all the pieces they have around them. So it's kind of uh, uh, intriguing, you know, because you start to move them around between, you know, the the one to three spots between the three of them just based on different factors, because you can definitely argue any of them in any order. Yeah, they're all on franchises that are kind of historically hard to trust, too, which is (laughs) Yeah, a lot of terrible, like, ownership. Which one of those three do you currently trust the most? Miami. Me too. My, I was, I didn't expect to say Miami, but it's Miami for me too, just because of the new coaching stats and everything. It seems like they, they have a plan at, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. And the, and they still have a bunch of like draft capital for next year too. So like if there's holes, they can, they can keep trying to plug some things up and, and, you know, I feel a little bit better about that than, you know, relying on AJ Green for too much longer in Cincinnati. Yeah, the fact that I like T. Higgins for the record, but just saying. Yeah. yeah. The fact, and we'll move on in a second, but the fact that uh, Brian Flores managed to win any games with the roster that he had last season is insane. And the fact that he won multiple games just is even more insane. So I definitely, as Matt said, have a bit more confidence in the coaching in Miami than in the other places. But the Browns, as I said, I do also like what they did this offseason. It's just, it's weird. Um, you know, this is coming from a Giants fan, so I'm sure other people will be mad. But the Giants are also the butt of the NFL right now, too. So take it with a grain of salt. But these teams have been, you know, the butt of all the jokes for so long. It's interesting to hopefully see them coming on the up and up with some young, exciting quarterbacks. And with that, we're going to talk about another young, I can you say exciting with kind of like a question mark inflection uh, quarterback? Because we're talking about Sam Darnold, and he's still very young. I don't know if he still has some of the same shine on him that he did coming out. And I think some of that personally is due to Adam Gase, but I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. And this time we're going to start with George. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Gates, right? Like we can make jokes about all day and, you know, I have a, I have a decent amount of time, so we can do that for a bit. But uh, I, I think with, with Arnold, he showed a ton. I thought, considering like the weapons he had last year and and just everything going on around him and his own injury and and you know everything else. I mean, it was quite incredible to see him like be the QB eight in the second half of the season, you know, and do that with a skeleton roster basically and a shell of a Le'Veon Bell and you know no tight end and I mean no real tight end. Uh, you know, so it was, it was pretty impressive. I mean, I liked Sam Darnold, but he actually showed me a lot more than I was expecting him to last year, all things considered. And, you know, they went out, they got a few pieces and Herndon comes back and, and Mims is there and, um, you know, even getting a insurance policy like, uh, P Ryan helps and, um, is it Brashad Perryman's there? as well so i think they they tried to, to fill some i still think they're a decent ways away in terms of getting like a real uh talented offense i wouldn't i wouldn't put them up there with any of the offenses we were just talking about with with two on burrow and um and baker but i think i think he can do pretty well with uh with what he has there i think i have him as the qb 15 right now that feels about right um 
but yeah, I, you know what, I'm, I'm more excited about him than I thought I would be just because I think he is quite talented. I don't really care for the coaching staff, but I think he can overcome the limitations around him. Matt, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, George and I are cheating off each other or something because my, I also have him as my quarterback 15, the same tier as uh, Locke, but about five spots ahead of him, a tier below uh, Baker and the two rookies. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about him. He's got, I, I was a big believer in Denzel Mims before he went there. And I think he's going to get, you know, maybe the best opportunity right out of the gate of all of the rookies just because of what we're dealing with there at receiver. Uh, James Crowder, I, I still like, but after him, I'm not really sure about that. They, they want Bashad Berryman to be the guy. I'm not sure if he, if he can't be the guy though. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all a gaze though. But, uh, despite Gase's, you know, pension for ruining everything around him. Like, like George said, Darnold succeeded in the second half of the year. So, uh, it, it, man, I, I wish we could flop Sam Darnold onto the Broncos and put Drew Locke on on the Jets. And then I think if we had that situation, I bet we'd be talking about Sam Darnold up closer to that Baker Mayfield level, you know, certainly in that top 10 of dynasty quarterbacks. So uh, I, I think he's going to succeed despite the the staff around him. And remember, we have to remember what I always have to keep telling myself with players like this is that the, the bad coaching is not going to last forever. That first round draft capital that they invested in and Sam Darnold is going to defeat the the, the the longevity of Adam Gase's career. And at some point we're going to see Darnold really take a step forward. Um, you know, maybe it's not this year, but I think it is coming and I, he's not someone I'm giving up on. I think right now really is kind of the best time to buy him because I don't think his values, even if he has another, you know, quote unquote bad season, let's, let's see he finishes in the, you know, uh, late teens, early twenties, something like that. Again, a, a season that we're not excited about. I don't think his value is going to change that much, but if he does succeed, then I think his value is going to increase dramatically. Um, so I think we're in a, in a buying window right now for Darnold this offseason. So here's a question I have. It's a personal team question, but I'm sure some of our listeners can get uh, value out of it as well. In one league, I've been trying to sell Josh Allen, and I tried to trade him for Daniel Jones in a pick. That didn't really work. I tried to trade him for Jared Goff in a pick. I'm still waiting to hear back on that. Sam Darnold was one of those guys that I looked at, and I was like, man, I'm probably going to be competitive this season. But I looked at him, and I went, I don't know. This kind of feels like too big of a drop off that even if I get like a first round rookie pick next year back, that it's just too much. But at the same time, after listening to you guys, I'm kind of rethinking that. Now I want to hear your thoughts on that. Should I trade Josh Allen? By the way, it is a best ball starting lineup. So even though Allen may not always be the best quarterback, he does pretty well in that format. So should I trade him for Sam Darnold in a first? I don't think it's a bad move necessarily i i kind of in some ways i kind of think like like darnold's job is is safer than allen's like i think for fantasy i think you know allen obviously obviously offers the rushing upside but you know from an nfl perspective i think he's probably a worse quarterback in terms of you know you know passing the ball um so you know they drafted jake Fromm. you know may probably have some kind of insurance like okay at this wild and crazy uh, running quarterback with deep, poor deep downfield accuracy doesn't work out. You know, we have this safe, safe guy behind him. So I, I can see a scenario where, where, where Darnold has a little bit more insulated value, but I do think you are giving up a decent amount of fantasy points in 2020. If you're, if, so if you're not competing, I probably would do it. If I am competing, I probably, probably wouldn't do it at this point, I think. Yeah. I, I think I'd echo most of what, what Matt said. And, and, you know, Alan's such a, 
conundrum because to, to Matt's point, right? If you think about it just in terms of like, what do head coaches and offensive coordinators want? They don't want a guy who's, you know, just as capable of, you know, getting you up by three touchdowns as he is by putting you behind by three touchdowns, right? That that volatility is not something that NFL coaches are excited about, um, you know, and, and Buffalo is a good team, right? They, they obviously, I think they won 10 games last year. So, so that helps him out. I think that's going to help him keep his job longer, even if those fluctuations exist, because without that, he becomes like a Ryan Tannehill in Miami where like he puts up pretty good numbers and, you know, fancy people seem to like him. Okay. But then, you know, you make a few too many mistakes and you're winning only three or four games. Then it's like, okay, it might be time to hit the reset button. So uh, I think Allen's probably safe. I would say at least for two seasons, especially now that the Patriots have kind of hit their own reset button. <laughs> I think that has really helped him out. Um, and, and to, to Matt's point, I think Darnold's safe as well. I think he's going to outlive that coaching staff in, in New York. And I certainly think that, uh, you know, if he puts up another, you know, pretty good season, uh, which I think he'll probably be like a fringe QB two, like, you know, kind of in that like 20 to 24, uh, range overall this year. I think that they're going to realize that they need to put a better option for him, like to thrive offensively. Cause I think they are going to realize like what they have in him and that they can't just squander too many of these seasons, especially during his rookie deal. That makes a lot of sense. And, I will say the guy I'm trying to trade Allen to, I also happen to know, or who has Darnold is a Bills fan. So maybe I could even get like a first and a second. So maybe I'll try that. Um, With Darnold, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I know a lot of people like to make fun of him because of the whole seeing ghost incident. And he got sick, which by the way, you shouldn't really make fun of a player when they get sick. I know like it's kind of funny because he had like the quote unquote kissing disease, but like, (laughs) He was like seriously ill. So like maybe lay off him a little bit, Um, you know, and then he came back and he could take some hits. And as these guys mentioned, he did really well in the second half of the season, at least for fantasy purposes. So he's certainly an interesting guy. I almost, my concern, I guess, is that he doesn't outlast Gase. And what I mean by that is another coach comes in, he's at the end of his rookie contract and they go, I want my guy. I don't want a guy from the previous regime. However, since I'm also talking about Josh Allen, my concern with Josh Allen, and this is coming from someone who used to love Blake Portals and hype up Blake Portals repeatedly, is basically that Josh Allen is the new Blake Portals. And that he gets a lot of fantasy points, but his job is not <laughs> secure because you know he'll have QB1 finishes off like garbage time or rushing touchdowns or whatever it is, but that the Bills eventually go, you know, we can't really tolerate a guy who completes under 60% of his passes continually. Um, yeah. So I really don't know where I fall on that. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, one thing with Darnold was he got pressured more than any other quarterback last year, you know, so, and, and it, you know, they invested in the offensive line, so hopefully that helps too. And, I mean, I think there's upside there. I think is really what it comes down to, and we see how he did last year over his, like, you know, what was it, 12 or so weeks. I mean, I think overall, with the exception of that terrible New England game, I mean, he did pretty well on the season. And, you know, if, if that offensive line gets better and if, you know, Perriman and Mims, you know, can be an upgrade uh, to that receiving group along with Herndon coming back, I feel like, you know, that 20 to 24 that I mentioned could, you know, creep up a little bit higher into the teens. With, with just I'm going to of- uh, trade, try to trade for Darnold for this year, maybe be successful. By the way, this league has existed for three seasons. This is a not-so-humble brag. I've made the championship game all three seasons. 
when I don't make the fork, it'll directly be both of your fault. <laughs> so, so you I'm, know. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I can live with that. I'll sleep at night. I'll, I'll... <laughs> I'm sure the rest of the league will be fine with that as well. They're probably <laughs> kind of appearing about it. We are going to uh, transition, though. We're going to transition into George's favorite non-domestic animal. And I recently learned that he also has uh, some stuff set up in his home to feed these animals. So, George, tell us why hummingbirds are your favorite non-domestic animal. So, you know, my wife likes to tease me because I get so excited, like in like May and June when hummingbirds like start kind of, you know, migrating into our area um, of the country. So, uh, yeah, I just I I love them. They're adorable. They remind me of my dog because I have a tiny little, you know, uh, miniature dachshund. So it's basically the miniature dachshund of the uh, animal world or, well, I guess the bird world, not the animal world. My dog is also an animal. Um but yeah, I just, I like watching them. They're really cool. They, the way they move. And um, yes, I do have a hummingbird feeder at my house and I make my sugar water and uh, put it out for them. And I get so excited because it's like right outside my front window. You know, I'm like, th- I'm 36, but I'm basically at least twice my age based on, you know, <laughs> this whole series of events that happens with hummingbirds. And Matt, do you have uh, some fun facts about hummingbirds to share? Well, my first fact is my first question is for George about your hummingbird recipe. What's your sugar water recipe? Because there are some do's and don'ts with with it. So I need just need to make sure you're feeding these yeah. guys uh, yeah. you know, correctly. I think uh, if I remember correctly, it's a four to one ratio that that I use, and then it's dissolving it and and you know mixing it up, um, you know, letting it cool before I I take it out. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty simple. On my end, <laughs> no, no, you're only using white sugar, right? No, like only white sugar. sugar. No, 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 no. I keep that. I keep that for my various baking that I do. Right, and and keep the for those of you that have hummingbird feeders too. You know, you can buy that pre-made stuff. Don't get the stuff with the red with the red food coloring in it. The, the reason why they do that is. Uh, uh, Hummingbirds are actually like almost like completely like they basically can't smell anything. So there's there is uh, some scientific theory that they are attracted to like red and orange flowers. That's why they put that stuff in the in the the pre-made stuff. But don't put red food coloring in your hummingbird stuff because it's it's not good for them. It can make them sick. You just um, buy your feeder. That's what you do. You buy the red feeder and you got your bases covered. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, <laughs> what George, what George picked hummingbirds like. I was like both surprised and not surprised. I don't know why it just seemed like that. That if, if somebody was going to pick hummingbird as their favorite animal, it would be George. Uh, I don't know why I I thought that it just seems like perfect for for, for you, George. Um, but I did look up some facts because I am definitely not a, a hummingbird expert. Um, one thing I found is that they are the smallest migrating bird. Like 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 George mentioned, they do migrate. Uh, they can they'll actually they don't fly in flocks though like other birds do. They'll travel alone for about five hundred miles at a time. Uh, occasionally uh, they're also the only birds that can fly backwards and if, if you didn't know why hummingbirds are, are called hummingbirds it's because of the sound their wings make because they kind of make a, a little bit of hum uh, very small bird the weight is a, is less than a, a nickel they weigh less than a nickel if you, if you, if you were to pick them up um, so yeah there's some hummingbird facts for, for you there are there are a number of them that are endangered and if you are looking to if you, if you too have a passion for hummingbirds like George, uh, one place you can donate to is uh, the ABC, uh, the American American Bird Conservancy, abcbirds.org. Uh, they do work with a tons of ton of different birds, but you can donate specifically to hum, hummingbirds if you were so inclined. 
Make sure you check that out if you have the means to spare and you also are a fan of hummingbirds. Uh, I have to say, I just earned, or hummingbirds just gained a lot of respect from me because I used to practice walking backwards to give like college tours and <laughs> I would trip over myself repeatedly and yet these guys are flying backwards. That's crazy. That is impressive. So hummingbirds, I never really thought, I mean, I can't say that I like actively thought about hummingbirds before, but now <laughs> if I see one. They are, I think of them as the Tariq Cohen of the bird world. You know? Yeah, they're that's- just, they're Jitterbugs that go all over the place, you know? The, the they, birds they might in the uh, animal there. comp. We didn't even ask him for the animal comp for a player, but he snuck one in. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the bird. The bird. What is he? Uh, Terry Cohen's the human joystick. So the the, the bird joysticks. <laughs> right. Doesn't have the sick quite the same ring to it. <laughs> yeah. No. The aviary joystick. I don't know if that's <laughs> there, there, uh, the. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going going with that. Yeah. Let's let's just let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a second ago, Matt mentioned that some hummingbirds are going extinct. Uh, George, on this segment, what we like to do is talk about things or even people or just general whatever that you would like to go extinct rather than an animal that's going extinct. So the example <laughs> I always give, because this used to annoy me, although I no longer am going to be uh, living in New York City, is slow walkers and people who just take up like the entire sidewalk. I wish that habit would go extinct because it just drives me crazy. But it literally can be anything. Um, if you don't have one, Matt and I are happy to go first. I'm not even sure that I have the one this week. I didn't get particularly annoyed this week, which is both a good thing and a bad thing for when you're recording this show. <laughs> but Matt, if you have one, feel free to jump in. I got one. And maybe it was mentioned in the last couple of shows. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going back to it if it was. And that's people that aren't wearing masks or face coverings. Like, come on, guys. It's not hard to wear a, a face covering over yourself when you are crossing uh, another human being where people are starting to see people get bored and numb to the fact that, we're, you know, no big deal. We're only a thousand people a day are dying from this. We're seeing states all over the place spike new levels. Uh, Florida is over 2000 cases a day. Arizona is over 1500 cases a day. Texas is over 2400 new cases a day. Like this, this, this is not over. And it just seems like people are pretending that it is over. So, uh, Wear your mask, and if you don't wear your mask, then you can go extinct. P- presumably, of coronavirus is what you would go extinct of. But uh, yeah, no, no, no more not wearing the mask. Put the mask on. Yeah, I'm certainly with Matt on that, and I'm going to uh, jump in here. And mine is now. I just remembered what mine's going to be, and it's oddly specific, and it's very lighthearted compared to what Matt just did. Even though I full heartedly agree with what Matt just said, and it's this. This is also something that carried over from New York City in a way. It's a general, like, if a dog doesn't like something that you're doing near it, stop doing that thing. But the specific thing is um, I've been living with my parents during the pandemic, and they have a nice backyard for the dogs to run around in, but it backs out to the street. And what people will do is they'll just walk by, and, like, my dog doesn't really like other people, so he will start barking. The other dogs will start barking. Some people have taken to barking back at them or even stopping right in front of the fence and going like, oh, look at the cute dogs. And like, I don't want to be rude, especially because I'm trying to learn how to be like a good neighbor, I guess. But at the same time, I'm really tempted to just say like, get the F out of here. Like keep moving because I don't want these dogs continually barking in my ear. 
And also they're on high alert. You're not doing anything nice to them. It just frustrates me when people don't understand like, no, if you just stand there when the dog is barking at you, you should probably just leave. Just go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is my extinction of the week. Okay, I, I have two. Uh, I have a what? lot, but I'm going to yeah. narrow it down to two. Uh, so so one that I have is, um, you know, I, I bought a new house about three months ago. Bobby, you mentioned that you were, you know, you guys bought a new house. That was um, a secret, but that's fine. Yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> Beep! No, no. So I will just say quickly the reason I didn't say anything publicly, and it's fine if the people who listen to this show know, is it just feels like an insanely weird time to be like, hey, so there's all this stuff going on, but I just had something like good happen to me. No, no. This is positivity here. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> extinction slash positivity. Yeah, this is the positivity part. Now I'm going to get to the extinction part. So <laughs> it's people who don't take care of their home is something mm. that I have big problem with like you know they let their grass die they they don't you know they they don't like you know paint their front porch or any of that stuff i find that quite annoying and like my wife and i love to like you know you know garden and you know make our lawn nice and do all these things and the worst is like looking next door and you're like oh this guy hasn't mowed in two months and it just looks like a jungle over there uh so you know i may not want to like have them go extinct per se but you know they can move away that's that's totally fine with me. So uh, so that's one, and then uh, your dog one gave me another one. We're a couple of weeks away from July fourth, so the people who can definitely go extinct are the ones who shoot off fireworks on the fourth. Because uh, my dog is not necessarily afraid of them. He actually doesn't care. He's he's kind of a jerk anyway. Um, but. I know a lot of dogs are afraid of it. Kids are afraid of fireworks too. In a lot of cases, you know, very little ones especially. Um, so yeah, I hate. I hate people who shoot off fire, especially like in urban areas and like in, in areas that are, you know, around a lot of houses and stuff. I think that's just dangerous. And, you know, if you're going to go watch fireworks, go somewhere and go watch them and don't shoot them off in your backyard and potentially hurt somebody or scare, you know, the dogs in your neighborhood. I think that's a, and also, but also we don't need to celebrate America this year. We, 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 we we could, we could just mail it in for 2020. Let's try to do better next year and we'll pick it up in 2021. You guys. It's also my birthday. So if you want to like not celebrate America (laughs) this year, you can just say the fireworks are for me, which I grew up believing by. (laughs) You know, there's plenty of other things you can do. You can grill out. We all like to, to to cook out and stuff. And you know, you can you can you know play play in the backyard and all these other things. Like the fireworks aren't necessary. And, and you guys got like super stuff. nice 4K TVs. Watch some fireworks on TV. It's just it's just as go. good. You got a nice like seventy inch TV. Christmas, yeah. you know. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to George's point about the people who don't take care of their house. So when we were looking for houses and we looked a lot around my parents' neighborhood just because it'd be convenient to live near them, they were showing us this house that the like vines had basically grown over. No one had taken care of the yard in years. There were like broken windows and whatever. But it was like a really nice old looking house from like the early 1900s. And my mom's like, oh, you know what? We should wait to see when there's a foreclosure on this. And then maybe you guys could live there and like get this great house and like fix it up. And all I could think to myself is like, this is 100% the house on the block that like every little kid story begins with like that house is haunted AF or like some <laughs> creepy stuff happens in that house or like even like, 
I mean, maybe Boo Radley, which is like a little less scary, lives there. <laughs> but it definitely for and we began this uh, before we jumped on. I was talking to these guys about how jumpy I am. So like living in a house that is definitely a hundred percent haunted is really not for me. Old man Bobby's never going to give us back our frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> man, I that is the one benefit that I'd have of living there is I guess no one would want to stop in front of my dog. Yeah. There you go. See, they they won't they won't bother your dog. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta weigh the options. Yeah. So then, um, what we do on the flip side, which George already alluded to, uh, just especially in these times, is if you have anything positive to say, it can be a personal note, a larger scale note. Uh, I guess mine this week will be that I am soon moving into a house, which is nice. Um, I'm very happy about it. It just maybe was a little bit earlier than I anticipated, but I have been over the city for a few years so it's nice to be moving somewhere hopefully quieter and uh yeah good stuff you guys have anything positive you'd like to share yeah yeah i do um let's say well first off congratulations bobby it's Mm -hmm. awesome i I don't think you need to feel um you know like unexcited about it it's it's a very good thing and you know we we literally closed on our house the day that the lockdown in our state started so it was quite weird for us as well well, congrats uh, to you too. It was more of like a posting on social media thing, you know, where sure. it's all like Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, and like, hey, look at me. New house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 an excited time. So that's great. Um the positivity I'll share. Um so I work for um I work for seventh generation, the uh cleaning, you know, they make all the green cleaning supplies and everything. And um, you know. I've worked at a lot of different places over the years. So, so my positive thing is, you know, I really um, enjoy all the giving they do to the community. So um, they donated pallets of disinfectant to the food bank in our area. They donated um, $250,000 and a bunch of cleaning supplies to the Navajo nation because native Americans were getting disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Um, you know, they gave money to, to the bailout fund, um, related to black lives matter. Um, they've done a ton of great things. So, you know, my positivity thing is, you know, working for a company that really, um, reaches out to different parts of the community and, um, really is, uh, giving and, and, and willing to, um, you know, kind of share and not, not just be kind of the, you know, what you think of with every company and, and, you know, maximizing sales, they really do. Uh, have a big component of giving and and have a whole social board that's just focused on that. So I think it's pretty awesome, and and I'm really lucky to work at a place like that. And um, to see that every day is is, is super uh, super exciting for me. Yeah, that sounds awesome, Matt. Do you have anything to share? Uh, not specifically, but I'll say, hey, it's uh, it's it's SFB time, you guys. Invites are almost all the way out. We found out divisions today. That's exciting, and I've been I helping John division yet. By the way, well, just been well, out there. Well, too bad. That sucks for you, Bobby. Uh, I'm actually in a, ter- I'm in a, I mean, not a terrible, I'm in a terrible division for me making it out of it. Like my, I'm in the Voltron division and it's like a, it's like a freaking murderer's row of, of people in this division. Uh, but anyway, I was going to say that. And then John has also been working real hard on getting these eliminators set up at something like $12,000 last year. Maybe even, I'm probably undercutting him a little bit of how much they raised last year for fantasy cares. Uh, and we're almost done with that. I've been helping him set up DMs and leagues and stuff like that. So I think we ha- I have like seven more chats to set up and then we're almost done you guys uh so it's exciting to be done with that process and getting into sfb season here pretty soon here in the next couple of weeks oh and if anyone wants to donate fantasycares.net yes please 
Yeah, you can also donate to the SFB Podathon. And uh, this year, Scott has given a particular focus on donating to a charity of your choice as well. So find mm. something you care about and donate because it's all for a good cause. Don't forget about the hummingbirds. That's right. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. a hummingbird team in this red list, but maybe next time. Red list four will be all red list four, ADA. all all hummingbirds, all like like seventeen oh. different kinds of hummingbirds. Yes, <laughs> it's just going to be super redundant. <laughs> well, with that, we are going to start winding down for the night. Uh, George, I want to thank you again for joining us. This was awesome, very insightful stuff, and it's particularly about hummingbirds. I mean, you had a lot of good things to say about quarterbacks, but the hummingbird knowledge may outweigh that. The hummingbird is the 101 of the animal world. <laughs> and sorry, Matt. Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt? You can. What do you? Sorry, I missed the question. So I was going to say, say that. Said, I said the hummingbird is the 101 of the fan of the animal world. And sorry about that, Matt. Well, well, I, I will. I will say it's it, if I had to choose between the hummingbird and the panda. Sorry, J. Mike. Hummingbird oh. is going to be the 101 of those two. So <laughs> J. Mike just can't catch a break on this podcast. <laughs> Well, again, George, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate learning about hummingbirds. And uh, Matt, let everyone know where they can find what's going on with you. And then George, let everyone know where they can find what's going on with you. And we'll wrap it up. Same place as always, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Listen to the podcast. Read all the stuff. That's about it. Go ahead, Yeah. George. Here, I'll, I'll help you out, Matt. Uh, the Dynasty League Football Podcast, definitely check it out. It's it's great. Um, <laughs> if you listen to the um, Cash Stash or Trash episodes, I highly recommend with Rookies by Division. I've been catching up on those. Nice. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Rotohack. Uh, I write for 4 for 4 Football. Um, I do a lot of the Dynasty content over there as well as some redraft stuff as well and Dynasty rankings you can find there also. Um, so you can look at my next update, uh, which should include some super flex rankings and, uh, you can come back to this episode and realize that probably some things have changed. <laughs> and I just want to add, uh, I don't always do this, but when I first started dynasty and George had no idea I was going to do this. When I first started playing dynasty, George was one of the first people that I really started following and paying attention to what they were saying. So if you're not already following him, I don't know what you're doing. Matt Seriously. was actually another one of those people. So uh, you should be following both those guys. And I feel incredibly lucky to be able to podcast with them and call them my friends. And with that, I guess I added another positivity uh, to the positivity note. But uh, we're going to wrap up. As always, you can find us at Zuperflex. Again, I don't know why we do this at the end of the show. If you're listening to <laughs> us, you know where to find us. But I do it out of habit and because other podcasts do it. Uh, you can find me at Rec Fantasy. That's R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. And my work is exclusively on Dynasty League Football. Until next time, keep it classy, Fantasy Twitter, and stay real. I don't know why I felt the need to add something there. Russ, you stay can add it, add it out. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Yeah, stay something. safe. Wear a yeah. mask. Wear a mask. <laughs> Feed the hummingbirds. <laughs>